0: Hello and welcome to the Master of Demon Gorge podcast. Today we're talking about the Heaven and Earth Society. I've wanted to tell you the story of the gangster known as the Emperor of Shanghai. Remember Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom? Remember how, when the film opens, Indy is in Shanghai facing off against a Chinese gangster? The real-life version of that was the world I thought we could delve into. But then it occurred to me that it's impossible to understand his story without understanding the context of traditional Chinese underground organizations. In particular, you need to understand the way Chinese criminal organizations, the mafia, have often been intimately tied to both the government and anti-government revolutionary organizations. And that in turn reminds me of the time in college when a political science professor had me read an analysis of the Sicilian Mafia, applying the ideas of the Italian philosopher Antonio Gramsci. The analysis, as I recall, reached the basic conclusion that governments and mafia are functionally very similar even if we'd like to believe they are morally very different. But then separate from any political philosophy to understand the role of underground organizations in Chinese and Taiwanese history, you need some sense of how we got here. You need some sense of the tangled and often difficult to establish history of these organizations. You'll see how and why the history is tangled and difficult to establish and often exaggerated or mythologized. Both because a lot of these things were by nature secret and because gangsters often like to make themselves sound cooler than they really are and usually aren't the most careful students of history. And you'll see how remarkably. The history of the Chinese underworld in the last three or four hundred years is, from the very beginning, inextricably connected to Taiwan. In essence, what we're talking about today is the mystery surrounding the founding of the Heaven and Earth Society, or Tian Di in Mandarin, which also came to be called, or you might say which then evolved into, the Hong society, Hongmen. The Heaven and Earth, or Hong society, was, according to traditional accounts, founded to oppose the Manchu Qing dynasty and to help to restore the lost Ming dynasty. This was, of course, a period in history that we've talked about plenty on this podcast. The fall of the Ming and the rise of the Qing with the key year of 1644 being when the Manchus came over the Great Wall and the Chongzhen Emperor of the Ming hanged himself outside the Forbidden City. So it is said that around this time, the Heaven and Earth Society was founded to oppose the newly imposed regime of the Qing Dynasty. And then it came to be called Hong Society as well. Why... Hong. Why this character Hong? Well, I remember hearing a theory growing up that the reason for it is that the character Hong roughly resembles the character Han, as in the Han race, with the characters Zhong meaning center or China and Tu meaning earth or land ripped out from the heart of the character. So. Hong symbolizes the state of the Chinese having lost the territory of China. Alternatively, the early 20th century revolutionary leader Tao Cheng Zhang wrote that the reason for this name, Hong, is because the founding emperor of the Ming dynasty was known as Hongwu. Incidentally, none other than a young Chiang Kai-shek personally assassinated this guy, Tao Cheng Zhang, in 1912, shortly after the overthrow of the Qing imperial government due to rivalry between Tao Cheng Zhang's organization and that of Sun Yat-sen. And how did Tao Cheng Zhang run his organization? He modeled it after the Hong Society. Tao Cheng Zhang also claimed that the founder of the Hong, or Heaven and Earth Society, was none other than Zhang Chenggong, known as Kosinga in Western historiography. Again, listeners to this podcast should be quite familiar with Kosinga by now. He was, of course, the half-Japanese son of a pirate who grew up to become a die-hard loyalist of the Ming dynasty, who in 1661 led his forces to Taiwan, ousting the Dutch colonial administration there and establishing the last- outpost of the fallen Ming. So, the story goes, while still on the Chinese mainland, Kosinga set up the Heaven and Earth Society as his spy network, as well as a kind of guerrilla force behind enemy lines. Kosinga's intention was to reconquer mainland China from Taiwan. If he could do this, then the members of the heaven and earth society were supposed to burst forth from all ranks of Chinese society to support him. But was there any truth to this, to the story that Kosinga founded the society? I've seen one writer argue that it's highly unlikely, given that Kosinga had been a dutiful Confucian student and only a teenager in 1644 when the Manchus breached the Great Wall. Kosinga knew more about how things were done in the Ming bureaucracy than in the criminal underworld. So he was unlikely to have the ability to found an underground organization. Without arguing in favor of the Kosinga theory, I'll just say here that I also find this objection unconvincing. Kosinga might have been a dutiful student dressed in a silk robe at the time of the Manchu invasion, but he was, after all, the son of a pirate, Zheng Zhilong. A pirate made good, sure, a pirate who became a Ming lord, but still a pirate at heart. And Kosinga was able to replace his father as the leader of all the other pirates who formerly followed him. So I'd say he definitely had a gift for leadership, even among criminals and the way the underworld operated on land couldn't have been that different, I imagine, from the way it was on the sea. A closely related theory is that Kosinga didn't personally found the Heaven and Earth Society. Rather, he left the job to his chief strategist, Chen Yonghua. One reason for the theory is that the mysterious founder of the Heaven and Earth Society was often said to be a man named Chen Jingnan, also known as Baihe Dao Ren, or the White Crane Priest. But this Chen Jingnan, if he ever existed, was very likely using a pseudonym. The surname here, though, Chen, was the same as that of Chen Yonghua. Since The more common Chinese surnames are often extremely common. The five most common surnames account for a third of the Chinese population. And Chen is a pretty common one, indeed the most common in Taiwan and Fujian. It could make sense that when Chen Yonghua needed a pseudonym, he didn't bother changing his very common surname. It could be that Chen Jingnan and Chen Yonghua were the same person. But then this theory also seems unlikely for other reasons. The historic Chen Yonghua was enormously respected in Taiwan during the years of the Zheng regime. He was chiefly responsible for Taiwan's early development. Some common Taiwanese people at the time believed that he might have been the avatar of a god. And a beautiful temple dedicated to him stands today in the middle of the city of Tainan in southern Taiwan. But if one could object that Kosinga was too much of a goody-two-shoes to become some kind of underworld boss, then the same objection doubly applies to Chen Yonghua. The man was a Confucian scholar, an excellent policy advisor, and even a great prime minister. He was hardly a gangster or even a spymaster. He didn't even enjoy Kosinga's upbringing as the son of a pirate. Also, after he went to Taiwan with Kosinga in 1661, he never set foot again on mainland China. Had he secretly traveled there, he would obviously have been the most wanted man across the empire. And as essentially the prime minister in Taiwan, he would have had little time to step away. But note how, in both of these stories of the founding of the Heaven and Earth Society, because Taiwan became the last outpost of the Ming, a Chinese underground organization was claiming to derive its legitimacy from personalities in Taiwan. But then, separately, there is the story of the five patriarchs of the Hong society, Hongmen Wuzu. They're also known as the Five Patriarchs of Shaoling, Shaoling Wuzu. That's right, Shaoling, as in the fabled Buddhist temple and birthplace of Kung Fu. In case you needed any more evidence, that a lot of these stories have been subject to embellishment and mythologizing. One legend that explains their origin says, During the Qing Dynasty, Emperor Kangxi recruited 128 Kung Fu masters of Shaoling, some of them monks and some of them not, to join a campaign against a foreign nation. It's a bit unclear which nation this was. The term as literally written down, Fan, means Tibet, but one theory says that this was the result of a transcription error, and the original term was Lucia, i.e. Russia. If the enemy country in question was in fact Russia, then this would date the story to sometime before 1689, when Kangxi concluded the Treaty of Nerchinsk with Russia. In any event, The story goes that when these 128 Kung Fu masters returned from the war, someone falsely told Kangxi that these men secretly had connections to the Zheng regime in Taiwan. So Kangxi ordered the Manchu troops to set their monastery on fire and to kill anyone not burned to death. In the end, only five of them got away. They then each went to a different province and set up a chapter of the Hong society, dedicating themselves to overthrowing the Qing. Another, somewhat more plausible version of the origin of the five patriarchs points to Shikefa, the famous and loyal minister serving the Ming during its last days. In fact, we've come across Shikofa before in our episode on the massacre of Yangzhou in 1645. Shikofa had a general serving beside him named Ying Hongsheng. Yes, there is that character again, Hong. Supposedly, when Ying Sheng engaged in espionage and went behind enemy lines for intelligence work, he either turned his name backward into Hong Hongying, or he disguised himself as a monk with the religious name of Master Hong Ying. So yes, here is another explanation for the origin of the name the Hong Society. Ying Sheng died in battle in 1645, but supposedly five of his lieutenants survived, and they became the so-called Five Patriarchs. Now, do I believe any of these stories? Not really. I distinctly remember my professor, Jonathan Spence, telling me that there was no real evidence of the heaven and earth society, no evidence that it existed prior to the reign of Emperor Qianlong in the mid-18th century. And yet, contradicting Professor Spence, I'm also told that there is extent evidence of at least one Heaven and Earth Society gathering in 1674, so the organization must have existed by then. There was an uprising in Taiwan against the Qing authorities in 1721, led by a man named Zhu Kui, who some say was a member of the Heaven and Earth Society. But that then contradicts another traditional account of the founding of the society, which says that it was founded in 1761 by a man named Wan Yunlong, who was a monk, a kung fu master, and a criminal. Also, he sometimes went by the name Zheng Kai, using the same surname as Kosinga or Zheng Chenggong. And that fact, despite... The hundred years that separated Kosinga from Wan Long has less some to say that Wan Long was Kosinga in disguise. In any event, Wan Long launched two armed uprisings against the Qing in 1768 and 1770, both of which failed. Then he died in 1779. Now, this idea that Wan Yunlong was the founder of the Heaven and Earth Society, actually has documentary support. Because in January 1787, another uprising occurred in Taiwan, this one led by a member of the society named Lin Shuangwen. And the uprising in part began because Qing authorities already recognized the society as a problem and actively hunted them. Now that rebellion had begun, Qing authorities sent thousands of troops from Fujian to help to put it down. As for Ling Shuangwen, at one point, he led some 30,000 men and took over multiple towns. But in the end, the Qing won, and Ling Shuangwen was captured in February 1788. The Qing authorities executed all the leaders of the rebellion, death by a thousand cuts naturally, enslaved their female family members, and sent any male family member under 15 to Beijing for castration to become eunuchs. But the suppression of this rebellion also meant that Qing authorities undertook a thorough investigation into the heaven and earth society. And so, in 1789, the minister in charge of the investigation filed his report with Emperor Qianlong. And in it, he wrote that the Heaven and Earth Society was in fact founded in 1761 by Wan Long, also known as Zheng Kai. Okay, so I think we've fairly well established the difficulties involved in trying actually to establish the origins of the heaven and earth or Hong society. The most credible version is surely as told in the 1789 report that the heaven and earth society was founded in 1761 by Wan Long. But even there, we don't know how the investigators at the time reached this conclusion. We do know that the society subsequently splintered into multiple organizations. One was called 跑歌会 or Hui. Many of the members of this group were ex-soldiers who ironically had served the Qing during the Taiping Rebellion, but then were dismissed from the military and resented their dismissal. There was Qingbang, or the Green Gang, which will feature prominently in the history of the underworld in 20th century China and Taiwan. There was Zhigongtang, which registered itself as a non-profit in 1898 in San Francisco, and looked out for the interests of Chinese migrant laborers in America. Most famously to those outside of China, there were the Triads. That's right, the Triads, which you've heard so much about and which operate in Chinatowns around the world, are actually an offshoot of the Hong society. Back in 1854, the Triads made a serious attempt at overthrowing the Qing dynasty, which ended with the Qing authorities' launching a massacre of triad members. Now, as you've no doubt noticed, however the heaven-and-earth society originally came about, clearly it was intimately tied to a sense of Han Chinese nationalism, a reaction to the fact of the externally imposed Qing regime. So, by the turn of the 20th century, with modern republican revolutionaries on the rise, these offshoots of the Hong society were presented with an opportunity to fulfill their original purpose. And as I said, the Tang and the triads were already operating outside of China as the key institutions looking out for Chinese migrants. But one needed to be a member of the Hong society in order to enjoy its protection. So it was that one young Cantonese migrant in America, who also happened to be a firebrand inciting revolution against the Qing dynasty, joined the Hong society after being vouched for by a top member. His name was Sun Yat-sen. In May 1904, when Sun Yat-sen arrived in San Francisco, US authorities arrested him as a fugitive wanted by the Qing government. The local Hong Society came to his rescue, hiring a Washington lawyer to secure Sanya Sen's release. Sanya later wrote down his understanding of the Hong Society. By the time of Emperor Kangxi, the Qing had consolidated its power, and the greatest of the loyal servants of the Ming had all died. A handful of remaining elders saw that they could not hope to win in their lifetimes. To preserve a sense of Han patriotism, they set up these organizations with the purpose of overthrowing the Qing, in hopes that future generations might be able to use them. And yet, Yat-sen also wrote that, by his own time, the triads had been corrupted and lost their original purpose so that the revolutionary movement had to build its own organizations. Okay, so we'll get into the rest of the story in the next episode. But this tidbit, that none other than Dr. Sun Yat-sen, the founding father of the Chinese Republic, was a member of the Hong Society, sets the stage, I think, quite nicely for what's about to come. This has been MODG. Thank you for listening.